This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This podcast is supported by Prevenex. If you are looking for clinically effective supplements that promote longevity and everyday health, look no further than Prevenex. Their multivitamin and their Joint Health Plus are my go-tos every single day. I actually also take their probiotic because in my Inside Tracker results, I found out that I needed to be taking a daily probiotic. And I made sure that all of their numbers were lined up with where I needed to be, with what I needed to be taking. And they also have a really great protein powder. So if you want to check out Prevenex and purchase your vitamins and supplements from a company that has really clean and safe ingredients, go to Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER and that'll get you 15% off your first order. All right, today's episode is a fun one. It is with Benita Willis. Benita happens to be the coach of Lindsay Flanagan, who just ran a huge PR at the Gold Coast Marathon in 2.24.43. So when I talked to Benita, Lindsay had just ran the Paris Marathon and had a great race. And now she's just had another great race. Benita is a legend distance runner in Australia. She is a four-time Olympian, 2000, 2004, 2008, and 2012. She's a three-time national champion in the 5,000 meters. And one thing we talk about in this episode was super fun because she breaks down this race, even though it was 18 years ago, still so fresh. She holds a gold medal in World Cross Country Championships from 2004. She has a marathon PR of 2.22, which is the Australian record. Uh, and she also holds so many other Australian records on the roads and on the track. Benita is pregnant with her first child and coaches at Lace Up Running. She coaches pros and everyday athletes. And when I interviewed Lindsay Flanagan, it was actually right before she ran the Paris Marathon. Uh, She told me that Benita Willis was her coach and we immediately, Emma, my assistant and I, looked her up and booked her for this podcast. And so it's extra exciting to have her episode coming out now right after Lindsay's big race as well. So if you do love this podcast, if you can share it with anybody you think might enjoy it, I would appreciate it so much. And don't forget to leave us a quick rating and review. We do give a pair of Gooder sunglasses away every single month to new ratings and reviews. And actually in June, our pair of Gooder shades is going to Sarah Speed Up on iTunes. So Sarah, send me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com to claim your Gooder sunglasses. Your review is by Sarah Speed Up. Great for the daily run or running errands. Thank you for that review. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Benita Willis. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Benita Willis on the show. Welcome to the show, Benita. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, it's not every day that I get to talk to a four-time Olympian, so this is quite an honor. Yeah, look, it's yeah, it's just one of those things that um, 
yeah, I did. It feels like it was a long time ago, but um, but yeah, something I'm really proud of for sure. Yeah, I talked to a lot of Olympians, but the four time like that is a that's a rarity, really. It truly is. Yeah, yeah. And look, I didn't know if I'd make that last one in London um, in 2012. So yeah, it was tough. The last couple were tough, um, but yeah, very proud of it. And um, yeah, it seems oh, 10 years ago, it seems like a long time. That's <laughs> crazy. The older we get, the faster the time goes. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, Bonita is coming to us from Australia. It is 6 a.m. her time, 4 p.m. my time. Do you typically get up super early? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a little dog. Uh, he's like a little poodle cross and he's always up early. Um, but, yeah, normally we get up about 5 o'clock. Um, and I, I live on the Gold Coast in Queensland. And, um, you know, when you go walking your dog at 5.30 in the morning, everyone's up. Um, but then everyone's down the beach, you know, it's it's right sort of on some of the most beautiful beaches in Australia here. And, um, you know, everyone's at coffee shops. All the coffee shops here open at five in the morning. But really? Then, you know, yeah, yeah. But everyone goes to bed at about eight o'clock. <laughs> really? That's just the way of life. Yeah, yeah. And look, uh, I mean, there's, there's big nightclubs and stuff um, down near Surface Paradise. So I'm sure it's different down there. But I live on the southern end of the Gold Coast. And it's, yeah, it's a beautiful way of life. And um, yeah, I'm definitely a morning person. <laughs> so this is different for you now. Like back in the day when you were hardcore training, you would be up at five to run. Now you're up at five to walk your dog. <laughs> yeah, well, look, when I was hardcore training, I would have liked to have trained at five. But the group I trained with, mm. um, they didn't usually meet till about 8.30 or 9. So, um, yeah, and I, when I was running too, I would have loved to have a dog. But um, but I moved around so much and, and traveled so much. So since I got my dog, Hunter, it's been so awesome having a dog and just just being somewhere for a long time rather than traveling around. And um, we, I did love that lifestyle when I was a runner, but, um, you know, I just really enjoy now not having to travel as much as, as I used to, for sure. Okay, and you have some big, exciting things happening. You're having a baby. Yeah, yeah, we're having a baby, yeah. I'm just um, past 21 weeks, yeah, and uh, this is my first baby. And, yeah, Anthony, my partner, and I were really excited. And, yeah, it's been um, a pretty hard journey. We've I've had a lot of miscarriages, unfortunately, um, probably due to my age a bit as well. And we didn't meet till I was about 40, so... Okay. Um, yeah, so we always knew it was going to be hard. Um, but, yeah, we just feel so lucky that, that this has happened. And, yeah, and we're having a girl as well. So we found out. Uh, very excited. And, yeah, it's just one of those things that I've always wanted to have a baby. But you just want to be in the right sort of um, relationship and the right time in your life. And, you know, obviously I know a lot of people that are pregnant at the moment that are 10 years younger than me. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's when people typically start families. But, yeah, it's worked out a bit differently for me. But, very excited. And I still feel like I'm 30, 32, even though I'm 40, just turned 43. <laughs> Was so, yeah. that, I mean, being in such a high achieving athlete for so many years and that being your world for so long, um, was it ever hard? Like thinking, I know I want that to be part of my life, but I don't know how or when it'll come about. Yeah, it was really hard, you know, because yeah, I, as an athlete, I felt like it was too much of a selfish lifestyle um, to sort of be having kids and then still competing um, and that was sort of my my view um, but I wasn't in, in the right sort of relationships then as well as an athlete um, and I always sort of really wanted to have kids um, and it wasn't until my sister had a baby um, and she had a baby just after the London Olympics in 2012 so my sister is also an athlete um, 
she's got a gold medal at the Com Games and she's been to lots of world championships in the 400 metres. So okay. she's a sprinter. Yeah. And then when she just missed the London Olympic team, um, she decided to have a baby with her husband. And once she had a baby, um, I actually decided to move back to America um, because I just missed missed not seeing like my niece grow up. And um, and so I moved back to Australia mainly because I miss my family so much and um, started to have lots of nieces and nephews. So it was probably since about 2012 that I was thinking I'd love to have kids, but I just wasn't in the right situation until about four and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, how did you meet your your partner? <laughs> well, Anthony and I, we met online. Okay. Um, it's a funny story. Yeah, because we met at Gold Coast Marathon. So um, yeah, so I'm an ambassador for Village Roadshow Theme Parks Gold Coast Marathon, and that's in early July each year. Um, it's a gold label world athletics race and the only one in Australia. So it's a big race. Um, but, it, but yeah, it was just one of those things that he was living on the Gold Coast and I was living in Brisbane. And um, I was at the convention centre signing autographs for people um, uh, as an ambassador. I was there with a lot of the other ambassadors and um, and he actually came into my line to get an autograph before we were going to have like catch up that afternoon. So um, it was pretty funny. So I knew what he looked like and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> the first time we met, we chatted for like four hours and um, yeah, and we've been pretty um, inseparable since. So that was in 2018. Yeah, so wait, so. you match on online, you match online, yeah. whatever platform you're using, and then he, he figures out who you are and then he comes to the signing before. <laughs> was it awkward? Yeah, uh, no, it was pretty funny actually. And um. You know, one of my one of my friends' um, partners, I'd showed photos of of Anthony, and I was just like saying, "Oh, I'm going to catch up with this guy later on." And she actually saw him too when he came into my line. Um, and like, it wasn't like he's not um, one of those people that would have known anything about what I've done. So it's sort of more like um, I love meeting people for um, how people take me rather than achievements that I've done. So it's just one of those things that. Um, I think I probably told him I'll be at the convention centre doing this signing thing. Um, and I'm pretty – I don't really even say anything I've done. Like on my profile on online, it would have just said, I've, you know, I like running, I've been an athlete, but I wouldn't have said anything much about what I've done. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and he was just sort of just, – just, it was just a bit of a joke but funny. And then, um, yeah, and then we met up afterwards and it was awesome. So. Oh, it's so good. I'm so glad you found your person. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and it was just one of those things that that was probably one of the best parts of my life is finding Anthony and then everything else, you know, it works out um, in the end whether, you know, you have kids or whatever. If you have your person, then everything else will always, like, be happy, a happy ever after. So, yeah, so we feel so lucky that this has happened and, um, yeah, and very excited for sure. And we're trying to get the renovations done a bit. We're doing some house renovations at the moment. We're trying to get them done um a bit quicker before the baby's born but we'll see see how we go (laughs) yeah did you try once you once you all got together and then you had the miscarriages did you try to like reconcile those feelings at all like this might not happen for us yeah it was very hard yeah like it was one of those things that um initially I thought oh it won't be won't be too hard um I think I was about I think I was almost 40 when we started and yeah, I had a had a few, um, quite a few in two thousand and nineteen. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, you want to keep trying, but you also have to recognise the loss as well. And it was pretty hard. Um, twenty twenty was pretty hard. Um, and and you know, obviously, it was a hard year for a lot of people with the lockdowns and COVID and all that kind of stuff as well. And um, yeah, you just you just sort of like I think in my mind I was thinking. 
I've got to accept that it might not happen. And if it does happen, it'll be awesome. But it can't be the only thing that you constantly think about um, with with how you're going to live your life. And I think I still enjoyed other things in my life and I didn't make it the focus of of, you know, what was happening in my life every day um, was missing this this part of my life. So I think that's how I sort of dealt with it in my head and and also thinking if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Um, but it is very upsetting and that we did have a, have quite a lot. So it was, yeah, one of those things that um, I think, you know, I, I felt it was hard. I think it's hard when you see other people with the same joy um, because you're, you're happy for them, but it's also hard as well. And I, I understand now when I announce that I'm pregnant, it's hard for people that are going through the same thing to even read my posts on Instagram. And, and so I'm very conscious of that and, um, you know, have a real soft spot um, for people going through, yeah, the same sort of journey. Um, and lots of women go through it and I've had so many people talk to me about it that um, said, you know, it's not talked about enough and, um, and you know, that's one of the things that I think um, it is important to talk about and you feel better talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, and I did talk a lot to my sister and my mum and obviously Anthony as well. Um, And, yeah, it really helps. And I've got a few friends as well in the running community that I've chatted to a lot about um, miscarriage and um, they've been through it themselves as well and that was lovely to talk to them too. Yeah, it's so tough because there's so much emotional and physical things that you go through when you're going through the miscarriage and then to have your sight set on like trying again, it's like such an emotional roller coaster and I totally hear you like announcing that once you've been in the position where it wasn't happening for you it's like oh I know there's someone reading this that just wants this so badly it's so hard yeah yeah and that's yeah that's one thing that I'm always thinking about and yeah and I'm always happy to help you know there's even girls that I coach um that have chatted to me about it um or going through IVF at the moment and things like that so um, I think it's a good, you know, experience. It, well, it's not a good experience to go through, but it's something that I've, you know, I've been through that I can help others and um, and I'm keen to help other people if if they want the help. It's also like one of those um, like silent things that you go through, like the random person at the coffee shop or like your neighbor isn't going to just like know you're having a miscarriage because you physically can't see that that's happening. And so it's just kind of like a... Yeah, it's like an invisible thing almost. And not that you want to tell every single person you run into. Like you don't want to talk about it 24-7, but yeah. it's for sure like an invisible um, like warfare going on in your life, you know. So, yeah, it's challenging. Well, I'm so happy for you. Thanks. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, we are just feeling so lucky and, and so happy and so fortunate. So, yeah, we're... um. Very excited. And uh, yeah, I think the dog is pretty excited too, although I'm not sure he won't be the only the only uh, child in the family now. <laughs> so is this like chapter three? Like you had like professional running career because you really, you hung it up after 2012, right? Mm. Yeah. And I was quite young. I was only sort of early thirties when I retired. And, you know, when you look at some of these um, women now in their forties, like they're just going absolutely oh, amazing. Wild, like yeah. Sinead. Yeah. Melindy. Yeah, yeah. And it's lovely. It's so cool watching them. And um, yeah, and I I, I retired at, um, at 32 and it was it was more because I wanted to sort of focus on other things in my life. And, um, you know, I won the World Cross Country Championships when I was 22, I think, or 23. Uh, 23, I think. Um, yeah. So that was the biggest, you know, the biggest achievement in my career at so, such a young age too. My first Olympics was when I was 20. So yeah, so I, I felt like when I retired, it was 
like I tried to race in the year after uh, London Olympics and I just didn't have I couldn't push myself as hard as I normally would have and I couldn't do it in training properly and I was still living in Boulder in Colorado so I'd lived in Colorado for probably about five years before the London Olympics um, and loved living there you know I, I was um, I had a business there it was really great um, but it was just one of those things that yeah I just felt like I didn't have that will to to do it as hard as I used to and I think when you lose that, um, you can't just kind of keep going through the motions. So, yeah, I decided to retire and, and look at other things. And, yeah, it's been quite oh, – it feels like a long time since then. But, um, yeah, 10 years goes so quick. <laughs> you know what, though? I was just thinking as you, were, as you were walking through all that, like the common thread with someone like Sinead and Melindy Elmord, like Kira D'Amato, is they all took time off. Like – they all took a little bit of time when they had babies and things like that. And you were like, go, go, go from, you know, a very young age. So you at 32 is a lot different than what these women are at 32 because they had those breaks. So it's really just like a different style of a career. Yeah, that's yeah. And that's really interesting. Yeah, because I do think the breaks really do help um, and having something else to focus on other than just your running. And I think for my career, that might have helped me a little bit um, because I was quite intense. Um, if races didn't go the way I wanted them to go, it was quite upsetting. But mm. I, I wasn't coming home to like, you know, looking after one of my children or, you know, I, did, I wasn't in a relationship for quite a long time in my career. And um, it's sort of one of those things that um, I think, you know, I think if, if you've had kids and you're still continuing your career, I think, you know, you've got other focuses. And I think sometimes you don't put quite as much pressure um, on yourself um, to, to you know to a detriment and it really does help you with your career and and with your goals and what you're doing so yeah I had a had a period in my career in, in 2008 when my father died which was mm. really hard and um and he you know it was quite it, it happened quite quickly but we knew it was a neurological disease so we knew it was happening and um and that was very hard for me to get over it took a couple of years um but that was sort of emotionally very hard um and I think you know, that really took its toll on my career between 2008 and 2012. But yeah, I think, you know, one of those things that I probably would have would have liked is maybe having a pet or having, mm. you know, something else going on um, towards the end of my career. But um, oh, I just admire those girls like Sinead. Sinead's going fantastic. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how she goes this year. She had a great year last year. Like, they just keep going from strength to strength. And, um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean that you get to 40, you know, and um, you're the best of your runnings behind you. Like these women are showing that, yeah, it doesn't matter how old you are. It just matters, um, you know, about the results and what you're doing, um, you know, to, to get there. So it's it's very inspiring. And, um, yeah, I, I just can't wait to, to see how all these girls go because we've got, you know, world champs this year, Commonwealth Games as well. So lots of stuff on for, um, for Australian runners. But also, yeah, world champs is going to be huge for everyone. You know, I really feel like the dialogue around this has changed in the, even in the last like six, seven years. Um, it used to be like, oh my gosh, these women in their 30s are still running so fast. And like it's quickly turning into women in their 40s. Um, and, and Sinead's got to be like mid 40s by now. Yeah, I think she's, yeah, I think she's a year or two older than me. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I remember when I interviewed her a couple years ago, I think she was maybe 42 or 43. So she's... Yeah, I mean, so I think that's really cool, too, because it's like breaking 
you know, when the four minute mile was broke for the first time, it's like, it's that whole thing of like, once it's been done, you, you see it done. So then you go do it. And it's like, now you see these women in their forties running really fast and running their best marathons. Now other women in their forties can say, Oh, I can do that too. So I think that's really cool. Oh yeah. And look, you know, I coach so many women in their forties and fifties that are sort of, you know, working and, um, you know, full time, um, doing their other jobs and their family life, and it's inspiring for them to to just to see see what these women are doing at the top end um, elite athletics. And you know, even Lisa Waitman, she's my age, um, and she almost broke my Australian 10k road record a couple wow. of weeks. Yeah, she's 31.20 on the road. So yeah, I ran 31.17 in 2006, and I was you know mid 20s. So for someone at 43 um, about to break, almost breaking that record um, is pretty amazing, but just says that, you know, yeah, you're strong at any age. It doesn't matter. Um, that That's just a number. It doesn't matter um, what the number is. <laughs> Especially the 10K, because I feel like yeah. the shorter distances, the harder it is when you're the older you get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I think as well. So, Not the yeah, 10K was- short, but. Yeah, but it's short. Yeah, compared to the marathon. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's. It was just an unbelievable run. So it's just one of those things that um, it is really showing a sign of the times. And um, and just I think, yeah, someone, one person does it that's, you know, a bit older and then, you know, it gives a lot of other people confidence as well. Hey, everybody. A quick break here to thank Koros for supporting this podcast. Listen, Koros has the best watch on the market. I have been wearing my same watch from Koros since 2018 it has insane battery life. It is super easy to use. It's super easy to program your workouts. And so many of the best professional athletes in our sport use Koros watch, including Olympic medalist Molly Seidel. Um, so if you're in the market, I think that this is a good time to make the switch. If you've been using Garmin or any other watches, this is the time to make the switch to Koros. I'm telling you, they're cutting edge. They're just doing all the things. And it doesn't get any easier so you guys can go to Koros.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that will get you a free accessory item, like a free band. So you make sure you add that code in at checkout. And you're going to want a band because they have really fun colors. I think it's a good idea. Uh, go to Koros.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that'll get you a free accessory item, like a an extra band for your watch. All right, back to the show. Okay, so of these records, you held so many records, national records, 2,000 meter, 3,000 meter, 5,000 meter, 10,000 meter, 10K road, and the marathon. Are you, do you still hold all those records? Uh, no. I, yeah, so Jess Hull has broken a few. Oh, yeah, Jess, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who's absolutely amazing. She trains over there in the U.S. Yes. Um, a huge talent um, and just an absolutely amazing person too. Um, she, so she's broken – the 3K indoors one, the 3K outdoors, 5K outdoors. Um, but Jess is amazing because every time she breaks one of my records, she sends me a message and, you know, she saw that I did my 3K indoor a national record at, at the 2001 World Indoors and I came sixth and she sort of, she, see, she says, I've seen that result where you came sixth at 2001 World Indoors and she really um, sort of appreciates, you know, what you've done as, as an older person and someone that's been there in the sport. And um, it's pretty, yeah, it's really cool. So, um, yeah, and, you know, she's broke, she broke the five, she smashed the 5K one and the 3K one, yeah. But then I still hold, 
yeah, the 10K road record, the 10K track record, 5K road and the marathon. Yeah. And the 2K. But yeah, I, I only did one 2K in my life. Yeah. I'm sure that's going <laughs> Yeah. It's not a common distance really. Um, no. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Jess has been on the podcast. I'm trying to think of other Australians that I've had on the show. What about Eloise Wellings? No, I haven't. Should I have her on? Yeah, she's she's um so she's done three marathons in less than a year and um wow. she ran two twenty five just recently in Japan. Um so she's she's up and coming. She's forty this year. Um Oh wow. But, yeah, but just absolutely amazing person and athlete. Yeah. So I've I've I have i have i have known her since the World Juniors in ninety eight when we roomed together. So she's three years younger than me. Um but yeah, we've known each other for a long time. She's had yeah, a lot of ups and downs in her career, but moving to the marathon, she's she's doing fantastic. Seems but yeah, oh, so many, yeah, so many good, so many girls that are going strong. Jess, have you had Jess Tringrose? No, I think honestly, it might just be Jess Hole. And I know Sinead's from New Zealand, right? But she's considers herself an Aussie, right? Oh, she's uh, Irish. Yeah, Irish. Comes for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think honestly, think it's just Jess. Maybe um, yeah. Morgan McDonald, he's from Australia, right? Yeah. He, he's been on the show. So I think it might be Jess and Morgan. And now oh, Benita. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> and they, yeah, and they've, we've all got that American connection as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've lived there for a long time too. Oh, I love living in America. It was, yeah, amazing. And um, yeah, I still have so many great mates that, over there as well. Where did you live when you lived here? Uh, in Boulder. Okay. Yeah. So, and how long did yeah. you live there? Uh, for about five years or so. Okay. Yeah. And who did you yeah. train and, with? Um, I mainly trained with, um, Brad Hudson's group. Okay. Yeah. But I did some of my own training as well. So yeah. So I sort of just fitted in with other groups that were, you know, training there. So sometimes I had my own training. Um, and then sometimes, yeah, I jumped in with, with groups there. So yeah. And it really did help. Um, I sort of, I went through a marriage breakdown and my father passed away all in 2008. Okay. So I sort of, and I was sort of London and Melbourne um, for for most of my career and then after that um, I thought uh, I just want to do something different so then I just moved to Boulder and just lived in Boulder for yeah for the rest of my career which was was good and I think you know sometimes when you're going through big life changes it's really hard Um, sometimes it's nice to have a bit of a fresh start like it's really hard to sort of keep doing the same things you used to do in the same circles and um, so I just thought I just I just want to you know do something different Um, and there was yeah, some Australians that I knew um, in Boulder, um, a guy called Andrew Leatherby that I did a lot of running with too. And, yeah, it was really, really fun to go to Boulder and, yeah, meet some new people. And um, it's great community, um, great running community. And, I, I, yeah, I even started a business there in coaching. So it was one of those things where I probably would have stayed. But then when I started having nieces and nephews, I thought oh, I'll just move back to Australia. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, like, you want to do it all, right? Like, but you only have this finite amount of time. It's like you want to stay in Boulder, but you want to go be with your nieces and nephews. It's like you got to choose. It's so hard. So you you literally went through a divorce and your dad died all in the same year? Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. That was a very hard year, that 2008. So I still I still ran at the Beijing Olympics in the marathon, um, but it was I think in the years after that, that they were quite hard to sort of get back to racing my best. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was very hard and that's why I sort of um, 
you know, when I'm coaching people, I recognise there are things that go on in your life that you really have to sort of respect that it might take a bit away from your running and, and you've got to sort of take time to heal from things and everyone's different too. Like, yeah, so with how we deal with emotional stress, I think we're all different. So it's one of those things that we sort of have to listen to, listen to our body. And when I, you know, when I was younger and in my 20s, you don't listen to your body as much as when you're older. Um, so, which I think sometimes these women that are um, sort of, a, you know, older athletes over 40 they listen to their bodies and they probably know themselves so well it's a huge advantage Mm -hmm. I didn't do that when I was running so (laughs) (laughs) well in 2008 in Beijing you placed 21st was that like did you celebrate that I mean coming off that year I just can't imagine even being able to compete yeah, it was hard. Yeah, because I think um, my dad passed away sort of at the end of May and um, I was actually in that Fryhofer's Run for Women race. So we knew he was, you know, we knew he was going to pass away sometime in the next few months and I was going to fly back to Australia straight after that race. Um, and I actually won that race, um, that 5K in Albany. Um, and I planned to fly back to Australia after that. But um, while I was running the race, um you know, I felt like something strange at the finish, like like he was with me or something. Mm. And I'm not not really a spiritual person much, but I felt something strange. And then when I finished, I looked at my phone and I had heaps of messages and my dad had sort of passed away while I was doing the race. Um, and it was, you know, devastating. But at the same time, I felt like he was with me there too. Um, but, yeah, that flight back from, from America to Australia was tough. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, I could have stayed back in Australia afterwards, but I thought uh, he would have wanted me to keep doing some races. So I I went back and did the Beijing Olympics, but then I came back to Australia after that and stayed with mum for ages. So I didn't really race for the rest of the 2008. Yeah, and I wasn't in the mood um, for celebration too much, although my little brother came to Beijing with his girlfriend um, and now they're married. And, yeah, so that was really nice. And I hung around with them heaps in Beijing as well. Yeah. How do you make sense of that? Like, since you're not spiritual, feeling your dad at the finish line? I don't know. So maybe I am a little bit, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. It was one of those things that, and I was really close to my dad and, you know, and he had a neurological disease and he was getting worse and uh, it, there was not, there's neurological diseases are hard because um there's just so much, so little known about them. And, you know, he went to all these specialists and no one knew what it was. It was kind of like mad cow's disease, but it wasn't. What was it? Well, we still don't know. So he had a spinal tap and um, we still don't know what it was. Yeah. And so his condition deteriorated from not being able to walk to not being able to go to the toilet himself and, and speak and all that. And so it was one of those things that he was just getting worse and worse and there was no way to help him really in the end. And, yeah, so that was really hard. So I I don't know. I think I feel like because I was quite close to him, I felt like that sense that, that he was there, which is it's comforting in a way, but it was also, yeah, very hard and um, a very hard thing to go through. Even even now it's very hard. Um, and my due date for my baby is like like a day after his birthday, which oh, is pretty cool. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. So. I asked about the disease because my mother-in-law passed away from a neurological disease called MSA, multiple system atrophy. And it's like not well known at all. And so when you said he had had all these tests and it was really hard to figure out, I was like the same thing. Like they thought it was Parkinson's, but it was like 
way more intense and aggressive than Parkinson's. So, and it's a very un, like it's not common. I, I know hardly anybody who even knows what it, what it is. So I was curious if that's what he had, but it sounds like you don't know. Yeah. And, but it was quite, yeah, it was quite what similar to what you were describing because it was, it was like Parkinson's as well, but, but way more. Yeah. Like um, double, like triple speed. Yeah. It was like a three year progression and you know, done. Yeah. Um, well, I'm so sorry that you walked through that. That's really difficult. Thanks. Yeah, I'm sorry for you as well. It's just, it's horrible. Yeah. And just to see people that, like he was a teacher yeah. at my high school and everyone knew him and he was one of those, like a real fit person. And yeah, it's just one of those things that um, you don't like, like it's hard to see your, one of your parents like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. And look, my mum is going really well now and um, you know, it just, it sort of brings your family closer together, even though we're always close as well, but yeah. Do you live close to your mom? Um, yeah, not far. Well, it's a, it's, it's a 90 minute flight. So she lives, okay. I live, we, we live in the same state, but our state's quite big. So she lives in North Queensland. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 90 minute flight. Gotcha. <laughs> and all my siblings live around where I live. Yeah. And there, is there three of you? There's four of us. Oh, yeah. Okay. Four of you. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your, your gold medal at the, the world cross country championships. And I, I heard you say that you really like thrive in nasty conditions, like conditions that are just like, you got to be aggressive and you got to be tough. And I'm curious where that comes from. Like, why do you think those environments were good for you when you raced? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Look, I grew up in um, a country town called Mackay in North Queensland and, um, it's really humid. It's always really hot, um, you know, and it's one of those things that you, you've got to be tough um, to sort of get through, um, you know, what, what you're doing. So I played heaps of sport when I was growing up and I had two brothers and, you know, the backyard hockey um, games will finish when mum's yelling out dinner time or it's too dark to see the ball anymore. And I think I always had that sort of nature about me that was like I would try as hard as I could in anything I did and nothing ever got me down. So I think when the conditions were tough in cross country, um, I sort of looked at it more as a challenge. Um, like, you know, there's lots of people in running these days that focus on what pace they're going and what time they're doing. But what I loved about cross country was that it's all about the competition and I'm super competitive. Um, so I always looked at those, that sort of weather as you know, adding to the competition. So um, I loved racing when it was muddy, when it's hilly, um, you know, in bad weather. So that was sort of my favourite conditions. And I think, yeah, growing up, I sort of just um, thrived off that that being being tough, but also doing well in, um, you know, in, in, in conditions that were hard. But also, you know, if, if something didn't go well, so I was a hockey player growing up um, and I played heaps of hockey and I tended to play my best games if we'd come off a loss or, um, or I hadn't played as well the game before. So I was very good at sort of bouncing back from disappointment. And um, I think I see that as sort of one of those things that um, I like to be the underdog. You know, I like to, to do stuff in adverse um, weather and adverse situations. So that was probably one of the things that really – you know, when I when I won that gold medal, that was exactly the weather. Um, you know, and I had 15 mil spikes in my shoes and put them on my strapping tape. And, um, yeah, it was just one of those days where, you know, you're warming up and you're cold even even when you finish warming up and you're cold when you're standing on the start line. Um, but, yeah, once the gun went off, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And um, I always tell people it was the hardest race of my life. Like, when I finished, I felt so sick. I never, I never feel like that after marathons. Um, 
you know, cross country is one of those things where you go as hard as you can at the start, you're going hard the whole race and, and as hard as you can at the finish. So there's no sort of time to relax. And yeah, when I finished, it was the hardest race I'd ever done. But, you know, I won by a fairly big margin, but it was one of those things that I was winning for the last 1500 metres. So it's that Ooh, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like having people sort of trying to run you down and you know, Australia had never won a medal before. I won world cross country and, yeah, like the commentators were even kind of saying I, I'd gone too early and it was one of those things that, yeah, you, you, you're hoping they're not right there but you can't really tell because it's so noisy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, and still, gosh. yeah, the last non-African to win. So, um, you know, it's been a long time. That was, yeah, 16 years ago, yeah. <laughs> and still, still, you're the only non-African? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, the last non-African. So, yeah. There's been others before me, yeah. Yeah, you're the you're the last, like you're the you're the yeah. most recent. Most recent, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, how did you like stay in that race? Like you like the you like the hard conditions, you like that environment and that style of racing, but like, what did you tell yourself? Do you remember? It was so long ago, but do you remember? Yeah, like I think um, the race the year before really helped me. So. Um, and because I came fifth that I, I was almost going to win a bronze medal. So I was in that bronze medal position and I could see shadows. Like this is a hot day in Switzerland. I could see shadows on either side of me. And I knew I, I knew I was going to come fifth because I just couldn't sprint any faster. And I went from third to fifth in like mm-hmm. an instant. And that just haunted me and it just made me mad the whole year, uh, you know, of 2003. And I had some great results in 2003 after that race. I got third in the World Half Marathon champs, um, ran the Australian 10K road record, 30-37. So some really big breakthroughs in my career. But I think having that race in my mind really helped me for the 2004 World Champs in cross country. And I just, I know, um, so it was 8K then. So I know in the third lap, so laps of 2K, so between 4 and 6K, I sometimes lost connection with the group. So I really had to focus on pushing myself between four and four and six K. So, you know, I was up there at the start, but you can see that I'm trying to, that I almost lose contact. And then once I'm, once I'm there, I started feeling really good. And um, yeah, that last two K was sort of, I knew the Africans that I was running with, they were sort of getting a bit tired in the big hill on it at the start of each lap. So that last two K, um, as soon as I went through the bet with, with the bells, I went through at six K. Um, I, I knew I sort of needed to make a move up that big hill in the last lap. Um, so I just went pretty hard up the hill and I had a gap on them. And then all of a sudden I had 1,500 to go and, and I was in the lead by, you know, a fair margin. And so it was one of those things that once you go in a race like that, you can't sort of let, let up pressure because once they catch you again, they'll pass you. So, I, yeah, I had that 2003 race in my mind and I just sort of I had so much determination from from that that I just didn't want to let them catch up to me. So, but it was so hard, like, yeah, I still, I still remember how hard it was. <laughs> mm. Do you remember, like, what it felt like to have that victory? Like, to know, oh, my gosh, I just won a gold medal. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. Like, um, but I think at the time I was sort of, I, when I, when I won that gold medal, I was like, I was overwhelmed with how, how amazing it was. But I was also sort of thinking, oh, Athens Olympics is the next thing and you know and looking back at it now as I'm older like I should have celebrated it more mm. and it didn't sink into me as much at the time how big it was and you know it was one of those things that I sort of 
um, I like I celebrated obviously that night um, and, you know, and a few days after that, but it wasn't something that, you know, I sort of, um, I thought I might do it again kind of thing. And, you know, when, when you look back at your career, there's so many things that you never do again. You do it once and that's it. So, you know, I should have celebrated a bit more and, and, and had a bit more sort of um, time to sort of let it sink in. Whereas, like, I sort of went to a training camp straight away and thought, mm. okay, I'm getting ready for Athens Olympics now. What's next? Um, and I know a lot of athletes do that, but um, I always advise athletes that are currently in their career to really celebrate those wins a little bit more than, than you think you should. Um, and that's not by going out and partying, but probably you know, just understanding how big of a deal it is, even to do a PB or a PR um, is huge. And I don't think I celebrated those sort of victories either as quite as much. So, yeah, so looking back on it, um, it was a huge thing and it's a huge thing for Australia. And we still haven't got another medal at World Cross except relays, which the, our other two medals have been in relay teams, which I've been in. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things that I should have celebrated a bit more. And, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I sort of had the... Yeah, at 22 years of age as well, like I didn't, I didn't sort of um, let it sink in as much as it should, and didn't treat it as big of a deal as what it really was um, at the time. Yeah. Hey, friends! A quick break here to tell you about Relay Run Co., which is the newest running brand founded by Anne Mazer. Anne is an Olympic trials marathoner, and by the way, she was on this podcast episode 213 right after she qualified for the Olympic trials at CIM in 2019. She's actually coming back on the show. We're gonna do some life updates with her, but she has the most fun style. And at Relay Runco, they have race kits, amazingly soft matching tie-dye sets, post-run loungewear, which is what I live in, and the softest, most supportive sports bras around. So Anne is the founder and she is very passionate about animals. She has three adopted cats herself and is super excited that Relay is giving 1% of all purchases back to Animal Rescue. So if you're looking for the softest, most comfortable fabrics and breathable running shorts with pockets, check out their new site. It's RelayRunCo.com. You can also follow them on Instagram, Relay underscore run underscore co. And for a limited time, if you use the code ANOTHER, you can get 15% off your first order. Let's go support Anne. Check out what she has over there. Use that code ANOTHER and that'll get you 15% off. All right, back to the show. So you hold the Australian record in the marathon, 222.36. Yeah, you've held that for a long time. Chicago, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it was definitely in the days of the old school, like little racing flats, and um, yeah, yeah. And I don't even think that was really a great run. Like it was good, um, but yeah, I positive splitted in that race by two minutes. So I went wow. out. Wow. Yeah, and it was really windy day. So the second half was very windy. Um, no pacemakers. I didn't even run with it. I didn't have a watch, like a Garmin watch or, you know, a, a pace watch. Um, I sort of just ran the race and raced the race. So I ran it a bit like cross country. Um, didn't have any idea of pace. So it was sort of, and I really, I was feeling pretty bad in the last 10K. So when I got to that finishing straight in Chicago and when I looked up at the time, 
I thought it was going to say like 225. I had no idea how really? like, what I yeah, it was quite funny. Um, and then when I saw it was 222, I was like, wow, this is fast. Like, yeah, <laughs> so, and that, that placed you, what did that place you in the race? Uh, third. Third. Okay, yeah. podium. Um, you know, I'm curious your thoughts. We don't have to get into it too much because, you know, the American record just got broken here in the marathon by Kira D'Amato, and it was Dina Castor's long-held record, similar to the length of time that your record's been around how do you feel about records being broken with the pacemakers and the shoes and all the things that weren't available in 2006? Yeah, look, I think it's just a sign of like the technology and the times. Um, and I think, you know, the girls that are running now with, with the pacemakers and the shoes and stuff, they all recognize they do help a bit. But I don't think, you know, we can stop, you know, if they're available, like, you know, I would be wearing, if they were available in 2006, I'd be wearing the shoes. Yeah. Um, no, and I could have, you know, I often there was often pacemakers in marathons I ran, but I'd particularly rather just race the race. So I, I tended to compete better when I was racing rather than paced. So yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, if they get broken, they're probably gonna get broken and it's a sign of, you know, the way the world goes. But yeah, it's just one of those things that yeah, I think they definitely help, but um I don't have any sort of animosity, but you know, if someone breaks it, they break it, um and you know, and they deserve they deserve to have the record. You know, Lisa Rondiki held the Australian record before me and she got a silver medal at the Olympics and, and won New York Marathon, won Osaka Marathon. She was absolutely an amazing athlete and probably a better marathon runner than me, but I, I had one faster marathon. So I think it's one of those things mm. that, you know, marathons are so unpredictable and so hard. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, like if someone breaks it, you know, it's fantastic achievement to them. And yeah, I think I I have had some marathoners tell me I should try the shoes. I've never tried the <laughs> shoes. Um, <laughs> I haven't been running since I've been pregnant, but um, I need to get in shape to try the shoes. But apparently they're really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious how growing up being competitive in hockey helped you with being a competitive runner. Yeah, I think like the team sports was a really good thing growing up. Um, so you know, when I was in high school, I tended to find team sports more fun and more interesting. And I was on Australian hockey teams. I was actually in the Sydney Olympic squad for hockey when I, um, a few years out from the Olympics, when I switched sports to running and started training properly for running. Um, but I think, yeah, just having your teammates around you, it just really gives you a good sense of working with other people. Um, I think it really helps when you're on, say, running training camps, you've got to get on with all different sorts of people. Um, you know, just learning about the team environment and like running is an individual sport, but you do need a team around you. Um, and I think it taught me a lot about sort of how to help other people as well um, and ha having empathy for people if, you know, if their game isn't isn't quite as good as your game. Um, you know, how do you help someone when they're upset, you know, when you come off the field? But it also it teaches you how to how to sort of um, learn about loss. So, you know, you, you have so many losses as a team, but when you're younger, it's easier to deal with when you're together with your team rather than, you know, by yourself. So I think that, I think I learned a lot um, just with that sort of environment and because I found it so fun. And I think if I was running heaps when I was a kid, I, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much and may have not have done it after year 12 as well, after high school. So um, it's probably one of those things where the, the elite sport through hockey got me interested in and, you know, maybe trying running and seeing how good a runner I could be um, through that experience with hockey. But I found, you know, as I got older, when I got into university, running was something that I enjoyed more because I had, 
more time for my uni. I can still do full-time uni and train a lot, whereas with hockey, um, there's so many meetings with the team that you can't really have full-time jobs or do uni full-time. So that was probably a big reason why I sort of wanted to try running and, and just see how good I could be individually rather than as part of the, a team with hockey. But, yeah, I, I found it really fun and I sort of always advise kids to do team sports. Um, even if they do some running to keep fit for the team sports, I think team sports are fantastic, you know, when you're younger and um, just really help you with your development too. I uh, My son plays soccer and he they were undefeated all season and then they, they just lost their last game. And it was oh, the no. first time I, like, saw him get emotional about it. Like, he cried and because he cared so much and I was like this is so good for him like not that I I really wanted them to win I was like very excited to go undefeated (laughs) as the mom but like it's so good for him to experience that and like learn how to handle those emotions and have good sportsmanship and and all those things and um, I'm so grateful for that opportunity you know that he has that opportunity to experience those things because you're right Winning and losing when you're on a team is just a much different situation than than when you do it solo. Mm, yeah, exactly right. And, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, when you do it solo, the pressure is probably back on the parent to really help console, you know, you as a little kid from losing a race or something. But um, as a team, there's so many, yeah, there's so many other people to lean on. Um, yeah, I've seen that you've got four kids, four boys. Yeah. <laughs> We have fun. We are a rowdy bunch, but we have fun. I'm so thankful for them. Um, So were you like just as good at hockey as you were at running? Like you sounds like you were on some pretty high level teams. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on the um, Australian um, under 21 team when I was only 17. Um, So that, that was when I was in year 12. So we went on our four nations tour to South Africa when I was in year 12 and and after that, I got offered a scholarship for the to the Australian Institute of Sport for hockey, which was which is in Perth, and that would have been after high school. But then in the same year, so in, when I was in year twelve, I also got offered a scholarship to the Australian Institute of Sport for running. Wow, um, which was yeah. So so after year twelve, I had to choose between the sports, um, and I chose the running so I could sort of go to um, go to uni full time as well. Wow, that's that's it's crazy to me that you like were at such a high level with both. I, I just and I think that it's so smart to do multiple sport. I just like the number of high achieving runners I have spoken to on this podcast that didn't just focus on running. Um, it The number is just like it's like 95 percent. Right. It's like, you know, and I think that that goes really with any sport like uh, yeah. specializing too early. It's just not super smart to specialize and just do the one thing. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a huge advocate for that as well. You know, I think high school, especially in high school, kids should be doing lots of different things. And it's too much pressure specialising in one sport too. And, you know, you learn to deal with that pressure as you get a bit older, but you just don't want to drive kids away from the sport too. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I'm I'm really passionate about is, yeah, just, just always advising kids to do lots of things. And, and you just never know what you're really passionate about either. Um, so you don't want you know, an adult pushing you into a particular sport because they want you to do it and you do it to please them. And, you know, it's just, it's the wrong way to go about anything. So yeah, I was very fortunate for my childhood and um, yeah, very lucky to sort of grow up in the town I grew up in. And, um, and it was very uh, sort of very old school. I just went to state schools, um, didn't go to any private schools and didn't really sort of um, 
yeah, just just had a very relaxed childhood. So I was very lucky. (laughs) You know, it's that like, it's that balance though, because it's like you want to provide your kids with like lots of different opportunities to see what they really like. At the same time, you don't want to overschedule your family. And so I try really hard to make sure that they are getting a taste of other things just like in our backyard or like on the street with their friends because I'm not going to sign them up for five different sports. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a little bit of a balance there. It's like, what are we going to do organized? What are we not going to do organized? But you still want to give them the opportunity to like learn all the different things. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your coaching that you do. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So I started uh, Lace Up Running with my partner, Anthony, just at the start of COVID when it all hit into 2020. So yeah, so I've been coaching since I was living in Boulder. Um, started a business in in America, um, sort of around 2008, and so I knew that I really loved coaching. Um, I sort of I went to London Marathon one year when I was injured um, in the early 2000s, just to see some friends running, and I was sort of feeling a bit sorry for myself. So I just watched all my friends who were elite athletes finish London Marathon, and then I thought, oh look, I'm just going to stay till people try to break four hours, and I'm going to stay till people try to break five hours, and it was just amazing um, seeing how how excited just regular people that have full-time jobs and busy lifestyles, um, how excited they were to meet their goals. So that was sort of got, that's what got me into coaching a bit. Um, And yeah, we started in 2020. We had all these sort of lockdown events. Um, So we had this ISO series where we sort of put on little, um, little, little, you know, events for people to do um, in their, you know, in their, in their streets and, um, and in their sort of hometowns. And we got some, got some prizes from companies that we know and, um, so we sort of kicked the business off a bit like that and just really had a sort of a community focus first and then we looked at individualised online coaching. So we mainly we mainly do online coaching um, that's individualised, uh, work with people of all abilities. We've got a few elites. So, um, yeah, we've got, yeah, Lindsay Flanagan's one of our elites that, yeah, that I know you've had on there before. And um, But, you know, the bulk of what we do is coaching everyday people that just want to sort of um, achieve something, um, whether it's, you know, running for the first time or a goal in, in a marathon, a goal in a half marathon or um, or qualifying for things like Boston. So, yeah, it's been awesome and, um, yeah, really, really enjoy it. And, and the people are fantastic as well that we work with. I love it. Yes, I remember Lindsay said that she was working with you and, man, she just had a fantastic race in Paris and the New York yeah. half. Yeah, yeah, she's had a great year so far. Yeah, and look, you know, to do that PB in Paris um, after quite a few years in the marathon is is a great step forward. And, you know, she's um, she's on track to even get better than that as well, obviously. But, yeah, um, pa- uh, New York was a fantastic run. And the top American there at that New York half, um, that was a really, really fantastic, yeah, run against. I mean, those American girls are on fire at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, the Australian girls are running well, but there's there's way more Americans running at that top level. So it's very tough. Yeah, the depth is amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like with Lindsay, it seems like she's like been ready to make that PR for a while now. And to see it happen for her has been really, really cool. But I know she probably wanted a little bit more, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And it was tough. Paris was tough. And there was quite a number of people in that race that probably ran a little bit off what they probably should have run, whereas Lindsay did a PR. So, you know, she's she, she's in shape for something better. Even more, um, yeah. And I, I say that to her too. Like with the marathon, um, you know, the breakthroughs I had were, 
you know, I went from 238 to 226 to 222 wow. in my first three months. Yeah. So you don't know when you're going to make big breakthroughs. Um, so you've got to sort of, you know, obviously put it all on the line, but you've got to have a bit of luck too with the course and the weather and things like that too. So she's on track for another big breakthrough. Oh, for sure. so exciting. I know she's been working so hard for so many years. So that's so exciting. Um, okay. So we have to wrap with end of podcast questions. This has really been fun getting to know your story and learning a little bit more about your career. What is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, well, I think what we're starting to talk about at the start, um, being a mom would be mm. something amazing. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to be something in my life that, you know, I will always like cherish and um, yeah, feel so good about. So I think, yeah, something I didn't know that would happen for me. So yeah, that's probably the biggest one. I'm so happy for you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, look, I love all the mountain climbing ones. Um, so, yeah, like some stuff like Into Thin Air. I love biographies. So, yeah, I love like reading about people's lives. Um, it's probably one thing as well. So, yeah, I think mountain climbing and biographies. Hmm. <laughs> uh, who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Yeah, look, oh, I'm I'm not really one for famous people um, so much, but yeah, I think oh, like I I even just love having coffee with my partner with Anthony, and yeah, and just you know, it's just being it's just so relaxing. So I'm gonna say him. And, oh, I um, love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We were like lounging, wa- uh, watching just watching the news, which I don't love watching the news, but um, drinking coffee this morning. And my oldest son was up and. Um, we just sat there for like 45 minutes and I was like, this is such a nice, like chill way to start the day. Cause usually you feel like you're like running around, getting stuff done, getting your run in and all these things. And I was like, this is so nice that just like on a Tuesday, we're just sitting here for like 45 minutes and drinking our coffee together. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty special that you pick the person to have your coffee with that you get to do with every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I think I just love going. I love being at coffee shops and just relaxing. Yeah. yeah, Just looking at people. (laughs) Yes. I worked from a coffee shop this morning for a little bit because I was like, I just need to not be distracted by the things, you know, because I work from home mostly and it's like, you're going to stop and switch the laundry. You're going to find something else to get your hands on. I'm like, I just need to be in this spot. And my key ingredient to a good coffee shop is good music at a high enough volume that it like drowns the people out enough, but not too high that it's too distracting. And this one coffee shop I found is just rocking it. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I remember about Boulder, the coffee shops are absolutely amazing to do work at. Oh, yeah. I bet. <laughs> oh, I bet. Probably so many entrepreneurs, run, runpreneurs or whatever, like knocking yeah. out trading plans and stuff there. Um, what's your last message to leave with our audience today? Um, yeah, I think my biggest thing is always having empathy for people and, you know, and not knowing their story. Um, you know, I get this when I'm coaching all the time. Um, just, you know, you, you just learning a bit about people um, is a really a fantastic way to sort of understand their journey. So, you know, everyone's gone through different things in their lives and, um, and we've all got something um, to contribute and to share. Mm, I love that. Benita, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been awesome. All right, friends. Thanks for being here today. If you want to learn more about Benita and what she's doing, go to laceuprunning.com. You can also check her out on Instagram, 
Benita Willis underscore. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. And friends, check out our new podcast in the Sandy Boy Productions Network. It's called Ready to Run. So many great episodes coming out on that podcast. Really excited about it. You can learn more about our podcast network at sandyboyproductions.com. Have a really great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend, and we will see you Monday with another episode on our nutrition series for athletes. Have a great rest of your day.